Thank you. Okay, for those that uh, are unaware, Andy and his lovely wife, Nikki, uh, who is here in the, the front row, um, they were part of us uh, some years ago, and then they, uh, they just felt, you know what, we'd like just to go off into an area where there isn't anything like this going on and try and have something like this going on. And that's where they've been for, what, 20, 20 years? years now, 20 yeah. years. And, you know, he was five when he went. So uh, <laughs> you can see he's hardly aged at all. And he should have been preaching this message in March. Um, for one reason or another, mostly snow, um, it wasn't possible. And we tried to, uh, to fix a time. And uh, this is it. So this has been ruminating for another six months, or germinating with him for another six months. So it's going to be a really excellent message. <laughs> no pressure. Yeah, no, yeah. I get that. Yeah, thanks. Father, we, uh, we love Andy. We love Nikki. We love their family. Uh, we love what you're doing in Ludlow. We thank you for all those folks that are part of that. And uh, we open our hearts to receive from you, Holy Spirit, right now. Speak through uh, Andy's words. Let's give him liberty with us uh, so that we can know you better. Amen. 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 Thank you. Um, it's great to be back um, over with you. Uh, you're the only place that, that does repeat invitations to me. Um, so it's really nice, you know. Um, they don't let me out very often, and I'm just really thrilled to, to be able to be here. Um, as Graham said, this is um, a, a talk that uh, I was asked to do um, on the church as. You were in the middle of a series on the church as, and there were these different images or models or metaphors that are in Scripture um, that were being kind of unfolded and explained. So mine was the church as a building, and immediately I got that title. I thought, oh no, I don't really want that title, give me one of the others, which are much more sort of energetic and movemental and, you know, that sort of stuff. That's what I really want. Um, and then I was reflecting on it. Um, this is back in March, mind, okay? I was reflecting on it, and I, and I just felt God gave me some bits. And then, um, so I wrote down some notes, and I, and I went back to them sort of earlier this week, um, because, I, you know, I like to prepare a long time in advance. Um, and realized I'm not sure whether I'm still on that same page. Um, and so I've, my notes are there, and I'm here, and I just want to uh, just speak out of some of the things, some of the sort of images um, and, and sort of scripture passages that I think God drew me to. So I apologize if this isn't a uh, progressive, good chronological talk. Um, that's, that's not going to be um, what you get uh, this morning very well. Anyway. Um, do you want to bring greetings from Living Waters Church in Ludlow? Is there anything else? Do I need hair? Yeah, okay. Yeah, that'd be good. I'll, I'll try and get the dust off them. Um, so I want to bring you greetings from Living Waters in Ludlow. We're going through um, quite a remarkable uh, season at the moment. Um, and a lot of it has to do with what God is doing that we're trying to catch up with. Um, like you, we've been on our journey, which has sort of turned to discipleship and mission uh, internally. Um, you know, we wanted to say, actually, we want our culture to reflect more, more and more 
of the uh, following Jesus on mission and being family on mission. Um, and as we've started to do that, we've seen all sorts of stuff happen, some good, some challenging. Um, and, but at the same time, we've had a situation with the other churches in the town, which is, I, I don't know of many places in the country anyway, where this is happening. So there are five church leaders who are willing to cooperate at a level which is just quite phenomenal. Now, five church leaders in, a, in one place, that's not that difficult, okay? But this is pretty much five out of seven of all of the churches, okay? So if, if you kind of take that into Worcester or Nottingham or wherever, this is a percentage-wise a massive, massive thing, a cohort of people. And what they're saying is, what we are saying is, we are going to cooperate for the kingdom of God, for people to be transformed, no matter whose name is on the building. So the vicar of the rector of Ludlow, no less, uh, Kelvin Price, is, uh, is just been amazing uh, in terms of his honoring of us, of, of what we are doing. So we started talking about Alpha, and we're doing an Alpha together. So we had 60 people on the Alpha. Now, 60 people, that's a good number. A lot of those guys were uh, from church contexts where they haven't really encountered the gospel in a very direct way. So there was a, a transformation happening there. Um, we started talking about what we were doing with families. You know, when we went around the table, we were meeting together to pray together regularly. We're eating together regularly. We're becoming good pals as well. Um, and one of the things that uh, we started talking about was what are we doing with families? And so we went around the table as we were eating this lunch and said, okay, well, you know, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? So we talked around that. And one of the, one of the women who, who had been head, uh, heading up Messy Church had asked us, look, can we go more with this? Can there can be something more specific with family services um, that's going to engage the, the town? And can we do it together? So we started to talk about that. And, and so I just told a story of some of the things that we're doing out of this, cho- this choice, this um, decision to pursue mission and discipleship of just a couple of conversations. My mum joins this Slimming World Club. And um, she's, because she's a natural evangelist and a total extrovert, she starts talking to this lady uh, who invites, invites her to come to various things. And she comes to Cafe Church. And then she starts bringing her kids. And then her, the parent, her, sorry, her grandchildren, the parents of these kids start coming along because they see a difference in the kids. And they want to know why that is. And they start coming along and they start asking questions like, how is it that you have, we invite them to our, our lunch, sort of second Sunday of the month. Um, and we just open our house and between um, 20 and 40 people pile in and eat. Um, and, and we have, you know, everybody brings a bit and just eat, you know, and... and uh, so Sam says, how is it that you get that number of people in the kitchen and not trying to kill each other? And she's serious. I don't know how you're doing that. How is it that your family are still, you know, all of the people in your family are still married to each other 25 years later, never mind five? How is that happening? So she's starting to ask these questions. So I'm just telling this story, okay? And the guy, Cy Lamborn, next to me, he's the Baptist minister, um, he, he, he's got these notes that he's taking about what we're going to do with family services, and he puts a line through it, and he writes, let's follow Andy. So they all say, right, we will just we'll drop it. You do it. We'll support you. We want to see transformation with young families in the town. Don't, we don't care where they go. We don't care where they go. 
not building my congregation. This is the kingdom of God thing. I'm like, okay, that's fine. We'll take the name off. We're not going to be Living Waters Family Service. We're just going to move that critical mass. We're going to say this is a town celebration, a town missional community, and you guys can get involved. These guys are absolutely on board with that, pursuing God, wanting to see his kingdom come and willing to sacrifice to make it happen. It's phenomenal. Okay, that, that's the good, uh, the, you know, just that's the welcome, you know, uh, thank you very much for inviting me bit over. Okay, that took 10 minutes, so that's not good. Um, there's a picture here. We are in a legal partnership, Living Waters are in a legal partnership with St. John's Church, Gravel Hill in Ludlow. And here is a picture of it. Now that legal partnership is under a thing called a Bishop's Mission Order. It's a five-year agreement and the, the, the basic uh, agreement is that we will work together to see the kingdom of God come in various ways. One of uh, the aspects of that mission order is that we might share a building. This building, um, it would be best used as a cold store. <laughs> I, I, I'm kidding you not, okay? It, it, in terms of... Uh, being, if I, had, I was supposed to, I spoke there at, the, at one of their services in February, and you couldn't take your gloves off. I mean, it's that cold. If you touch bits of metal in the building, you're likely to get away again. It's absolutely freezing in there, okay? Now, and they're, re, they're talking about remodeling it, the need to do things like fix the roof because there's plaster falling down off the ceiling, to put in some heating so that they can open it up and do some, some things. And they're talking about all of that. And as we were talking about working together, the thing that's, that becomes very obvious is they're thinking building and we're thinking mission. All right? Now, I'm wrestling with this. I'm wrestling with that because I know best. We know that the church isn't a building, is it? See, I, I, I'm a bit further on. I've, you know, I've come through the house church movement. I'm, I'm a charismatic. I know that it's the people. It's not the building. But I think, as I've been reflecting on that, and we've been working it out, one of my challenges has been that I haven't got a locatable presence of God in my thinking in the same way that they do. I'm being generous here. Some of them aren't quite coming from that perspective. Okay, so some of them don't want lose in there because how can you possibly go to the toilet in what's the house of God, you know? Well, I, 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 I just think it's a good thing to be able to go to the toilet, to be honest. I mean, is that not... Um, the, the building becomes this sort of all-consuming thing, doesn't it? And, and that's one of the things that, that, that they're wrestling with. But I think we have lost something about embodiment. My friend Andy Au, he's he does uh, movement in worship, the dance kind of, he does it all out of martial arts stuff. Some of you might have seen him at conferences or even gone to one of his training courses. He's out of the Pioneer Network. And he's, he has, for the last sort of 20 years as they've been developing that work, worked on a theology of embodiment. You know, it's, it's fair enough to talk about the idea of the presence of God. But to put it in abstract terms that it's somehow... But what about... It being physical, locatable, touchable. 
And I think that's the question when we think about the church as building that we need to come to. You see, that idea, that metaphor is introduced by Paul and by Peter. So Paul in Ephesians 2, let's have a quick look. Paul in Ephesians 2 says, He proclaimed peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him both of us have access to the one spirit through in the one spirit to the father then you are no longer strangers and aliens but you are citizens with the saints and members of the household of god built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with christ jesus himself as the cornerstone in him the whole structure the whole building is joined together and grows up into a holy temple in the lord in whom you are also built together spiritually into a dwelling place for god Peter takes up the idea and says something uh, very similar. Come to him, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourself be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Peter and Paul have got an image in their head which is of a very specific building. And when they're relating uh, these ideas and that image back, they are thinking of the temple. They're thinking of that temple as a model. See, what was important about the temple? If you go right back to the first time the idea of the house of God is mentioned, where is it? Yeah, Jacob. So Jacob is on his way out of the land that's been promised to his grandfather. He's on his way out. And as he decides to stop, before he leaves that territory, he stops in a place and he puts his head down on a stone and he has a dream. And in that dream he sees angels ascending and descending from the throne of God. And when he wakes up, he dreamed there was a ladder set upon the earth. Top of it reaching to heaven, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood beside him and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and your offspring. And your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south, and all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. Know that I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. Jacob woke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I didn't know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is nothing other than the house of God, the gate of heaven. If we look at the theology of church as building, the thing that, is, that, that we're talking about is where heaven touches earth. That's what we're talking about. So where is, where on earth do you find God? That's That's the question that we're wrestling. Where do you go? Where is God on earth?
That's the question that the church is building, is challenging us to think about. Now, if you move on, and I'm just, we could go, you could go through a survey of all of the different models of temple, tent, tabernacle, temple, and then into the New Testament and see some commonalities. And I just want to pick up a few of them as we think that through. So in Exodus 33, we have this rather amazing encounter that Moses has with God. Right at this point, um, they are heading into the promised land. They're on this journey, and they're wanting to, uh, to move into the promised land. But they've, the people of Israel have basically repeatedly let uh, the centrality the importance, the holiness of God, basically be abused by their actions. So Moses is having a conversation with God, and God basically says in Exodus 33, "Um, you're still going to go in the land, I made that promise, you're still going to go, but I'm not going to come with you. Because if I do, I might kill you all. Sounds a bit like God, doesn't it? I'm not going to be among you, or I'll consume you on the way. You're a stiff-necked people. And then the people heard those harsh words, they mourned. No one put on ornaments. The Lord had said to Moses... Say to the Israelites, you're a stiff-necked people. For a, if a single, for a single moment I should come among you, I'd consume you. So take off your ornaments and I'll decide what to do. So the Israelites take off their ornaments. They do what, they, what God has asked. And then it goes into this kind of in parentheses, this like bracket, to explain something of a pattern of Moses' life that then explains what happens next. And it just says, you know, Moses used to set a tent outside the camp, and it was a tent of meeting. Everyone who sought the Lord would go to the tent of meeting. Everyone who sought the Lord would go to the tent of meeting. Whenever Moses went to the tent, all the people would come and stand, each of them at the entrance to their tent, And watch until Moses had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak to Moses. When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise and bow down, all of them, at the entrance of their tents. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, as one speaks to a friend. And then he would return to the camp. But his young assistant, Joshua, son of Nun, would not leave the tent. That's the kind of assistant you want, isn't it? Moses, it's saying this regular pattern, that's, where, that's the expectation. There is a place here, physically, that we go to. And when Moses goes there, the pillar of cloud visibly is there. You can locate God on earth. You can see him. And everybody used to stand at the entrance to the tent so they could see. When the pillar came down, they worshipped. The presence of God is in the camp. He's with us. 
And Moses goes on to say, I know you've just said, God, you've just said you're not going to come with us and that we'll be consumed if you do. But if your presence doesn't go with us, then don't send us from here. Because the only thing that distinguishes us from any other people on the earth is your presence. That physical, touchable, locatable presence of God is so central that actually I don't want to move anywhere if that isn't coming with us. I don't care about the promised land if we haven't got you. So Moses is expressing that kind of a heart. He's, 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 he's expressing something about the um, intimacy of God being so central to everything that the future holds for them that actually it, without it, it just doesn't, you know, nothing else makes sense. As you move on and you, you go into the tabernacle, which is the, a few chapters later, you've got the, the descriptions for the tabernacle. And there are, there are some really detailed descriptions of, of what's there in that tabernacle, what's central to it. Um, and one of them is of the Ark of the Covenant. You know this picture? So there's some really detailed descriptions of how it's a box that's made out of specific wood, um, that it's got a lid on it, and that on the lid there are two angels that kind of focus in onto the middle of the lid. Inside it, there are a few things, but principally, principally, it's the tablets that Moses has received with the commandments on. Principally, that's the thing that's there. And God goes on to, to express what will happen when uh, you are moving around the land when you are going forward. What I would like you to do is to regularly have one person, the high priest, come, make a sacrifice and put blood here on this mercy seat. This is the provision for me not to kill you. This is the provision for my holiness not to consume you. For me still to be present with you. This is the center this is the center of the locatable presence of God on earth. So the Ark of the Covenant becomes this massive, and you, you, know, you can read through uh, just the, the ways in which the Ark of the Covenant expresses all of the hope and authority that the people of Israel have because they are the chosen people, because God has said, I'm going to be present with you. I'm the one who's going to be uh, the difference in the, with all of the other nations of the world. So you get, and, and I don't want to kind of cover, we could, if you want to read through all of the journey of the ark, um, it's really important to look at. But you get to Solomon's temple and David in his desire to, to again celebrate that the thing that makes us different is the presence of God is that he wants to build a temple for God. He wants to build a place which where, where Jacob describes is this is the place where God has chosen to live. 
on earth. This is the gateway to God's house. He wants to build a place that has that as, it, as its um, reason for being. And as he, uh, he doesn't do it, but Solomon does it as they build that. And all, again, all the details of that. At the center of it is this ark. The center of, this, of the, the temple, of Solomon's temple, in the Holy of Holies, is placed this ark. Which is the place where God is present physically. It's where the cloud is. It's where the Holy of Holies is. If you want to know where to go to hear God, if you want to seek God, just in the same way as people would go to the tent of meeting to inquire, this is where you come. This is where God is on earth. And you get these, the, the reason why Paul and Peter capture, are driven by this picture is because it's so deep in the people of Israel's psyche that this is the significant thing about us. Is that we're the ones where the presence of God is touchable. We're the, we, are, we know where to go to speak to and worship the creator of heaven and earth because he, his, the doorway to his house is here. It's right here. So you get like the Psalms of Ascent. You may know those Psalms, sort of Psalms 120 through to, you know, about 10 or 12 of them, I can't remember. You know, I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? These are pilgrim poems as the, all the people of Israel travel to this place. Psalm 122. It, it, I was so excited when they said to me, let's go up to the mountain of the Lord. This is where we're going. We're going to locatable presence. This is the thing that makes us difference. There is a place that's at the center of our society where actually God lives. Anybody can come. People can come from all over the world. There's, and in Solomon's dedication to the temple, that's what he says. Anybody can come. Everybody's welcome. But if they want to meet God, they've got to come here. Because this is the only place where you can do that. This is the place where it's connected. They've got such a sense of that importance, that temple being um, so central to their society, to their, their reason for being, the distinctiveness that they have in the whole world, that actually when some years later, after years and years of disobedience, years and years of really not living in the good of that special relationship that they're called into, Babylon invades and destroys this temple and takes the Ark of the Covenant. The thing that was central, the thing that meant it, that's that this is how and what, this is the place that we can come to to receive total forgiveness, to be, to be recognized as people of God. That's gone. Total destruction. Now where is God on earth? 
There are two other temples, just briefly, that, that get built after Solomon's temple gets destroyed. So there's one where Ezra rebuilds a temple um, when he comes back from exile um, in Babylon. And there's a, another one which is prophetic um, in, in Ezekiel. And by all means, have a read of those. But never again does that ark form the center of whatever temple or building. It's not there anymore. And then Jesus comes. And when Jesus comes and he starts going around doing things which actually should only happen in the temple, people get freaked out. How can you forgive sins? That's not where that happens. This is where that happens. You can't forgive sins. You can't proclaim somebody whole. That's not, you can't do that. The temple is where that happens. That's the, that's the place where God touches earth, heaven touches earth. That's where it is. You can't do that. You're a heretic. How dare you? Who do you think you are? Well, I know exactly who I am. I'm the son of God. I'm the lamb of God coming to take away the sins of the earth. I know exactly who I am. This is why I'm doing it. So throughout Jesus's uh, work, you see him operating as if he was the portable temple. As if now, the place where heaven touches earth is right where he is. God, Emmanuel, present, embodied, locatable. You can talk to him. You can hear his voice. He can speak to you face to face as you would talk to a friend. You can go there and receive forgiveness, wholeness, restoration. Him. He's the physical, locatable presence of God. The place where heaven touches earth. That means I should stop talking. Okay. So why did then Paul go back to this temple imagery? Why does Peter use this temple imagery? Because he wants us to understand something about what happens around Jesus. The very next, um, the, the next picture uh, I hope you'll recognize. I'm just going to briefly touch on it. Are I okay for another five minutes, yeah? Um, do you know this picture? Yeah, this is, this is the tomb. This is Mary Magdalene going to the tomb. And it's the picture that's described by John. So this is John 20. Um, in it, John describes Mary Magdalene going to the tomb and not finding uh, Jesus' body and going back then to the disciples and saying, I can't find Jesus. Peter, and John is bagging, bragging about how quick he is, basically. He, I'm faster than Peter. We ran to the tomb. I got there first. Um, and they go in, and Peter sees the grave clothes lying on this stone slab where the body w- should have been. And he goes, they go out and they're confused. And Mary must have followed them, but she's obviously a lot slower than the two of them. And when she gets in there, when she gets to the tomb, she goes in. And what does she see? She sees um, a platform with an angel 
like the head and the foot. The Ark of the Covenant's back. It's where the resurrected body of Jesus is. The Ark of the Covenant is where the resurrected body of Jesus is. That's why Paul and Peter are going back to this temple imagery. Do you realize who you are and what God has done? Well, yet I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just... Go back a few chapters now in John to John chapter 14. And we get this, um, this conversation at the end of the Last Supper where Jesus is talking about what's going to happen when he goes. Um, and I, I just want you to um, have, a, have a think with me, okay? Um, so this is immediately following... Um, Peter saying, I, I'm, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to lay down my life for you. And Jesus saying, well, I'm really sorry, Peter, but you're going to deny me three times. And then he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, there you will be also. And you know the way to the place I'm going. And Thomas goes, no, we don't. Now, when you read that, what do you normally think? What do you think? What are we talking about here? Are we talking about, we're talking about heaven, aren't we? You know, there's, there's plenty of space in heaven for all of us. That's what that means. And I just, I mean, I'm, please take this with a very, very large pinch of salt, okay? But what about, <clears throat> one of the ways of, of translating, one of the ways of the translating the Greek word that's translated place, I go to prepare a place for you, is to translate it opportunity. I go to prepare an opportunity for you. See, in my father's house, there's loads, of, there's loads of rooms. Loads of space, there's loads of rooms, there's loads of places. <clears throat> and I go to prepare an opportunity for you. And he goes on, so if you... If you I'm comfortable with, with just sort of reading it that way. And if you read down, what comes next? I'm going, but I'm sending what? Who? I'm going, the Holy Spirit's coming to you. He's the advocate. This is, this is really good. I'm going, this is really good. Something else, you're going to do greater things than I've done. You get this, just this progression. And he talks then in, in John 15, I'm the true vine, you're the branches. You know, it's not like I'm, uh, he's saying, right, you're taking my place. No, in some massive, incredible way, wherever the resurrected body of Jesus is, that's where the Ark of the Covenant is. That's where transformation happens. And suddenly, I'm now included in that, Thomas. I'm now included in that, Peter, Mary. I'm now included in that in some miraculous way. Where is the physical, locatable presence of God on earth? Where do we 
Where do we celebrate the theology, if you like, of embodiment? God present with us. Well, it's Jesus. And some incredible, remarkable thing that Jesus expresses of the heart of the Father includes us in him. How phenomenal is that? Where are people going to look for the physical presence of God? Where do they go if they want to speak to God face to face as the person talks to their friend? Where do they go for forgiveness? Where do they go for that provision, the Ark of the Covenant? It's here. It's you. I'm not, uh, please, don't, please don't misunderstand me. In no way am I saying that you have any of those answers in yourself. I know you don't, and I don't either. But by grace, we are included in him. You are the hands and feet. We are the, the body, the physical representation. That's why Paul uses that imagery. It's not airy-fairy. It's concrete. Now, what does that mean? Nikki dropped the so what bomb on me last night. Have you ever had that? As you know, those of you who, who do teaching a bit, you ever had that one? That's very nice. So what? Um, my wife does that quite often to me. Why does Paul get excited about the communion? And he says, you know what? If you're going to do this, don't do it if you've got a broken relationship. It's not, right, his, his focus really, he's talking about relationship more than he's talking about just, okay, I, I did a bad thing over there. So if you've got a broken relationship, put that right first before you come here. Because at the center of this is an expression of the Holy of Holies. At the center of this is an expression of the Ark of the Covenant. At the center of this is the place where the river flows out. Because that's the place that God has touched earth. And goes to the darkest, deadest place and brings healing and life where it comes. Ezekiel 47. That's the so what. If I'm going to be cavalier about my relationship with other, with other people, what I'm, what I'm doing is bringing into disrepute the house of God. I'm, I want to intentionally step into the destiny that God has put up. On my life, I want to intentionally step into being a representation of Him wherever I am. And I want to do that not on my own because I can't. That move from me and I to we and us is really vital. Okay. just want to give space for any, any reflections or, or feedback briefly and then I'll, I'll pray if that's okay.
So has anybody got any? First time that the Ark of the Covenant set up in the tabernacle, the presence of God fills the whole space as a cloud and nobody can do anything. Second time that the Ark of the Covenant is actually invested in a building, cloud descends and fills the space. Nobody can do anything. Acts chapter (laughs) 2. The Ark of the Covenant in the people of God. Touchable, locatable. That's what you're in. That's who you are. That's who we are. And I'm just awed by what an amazing act of grace that is. True pray. <clears throat> God, most of us can't even begin to grasp that you would want us somehow to represent you together. What a mad idea. What are you thinking to choose us? And yet your grace is so boundless and your plan so perfect. And we believe in the risen Jesus. We believe that the Holy Spirit fills us. We believe in restoration, freedom and forgiveness. We believe that the earth can touch you, locate you, your presence. And we want to humbly uh, just make space in our lives, in our relationships, in our diaries, in our priorities to step into the expectation that we are the locatable gateway to your house. Help us to think us and not I. Help us to step into the amazing provision of your shed blood once and for all. Meaning that that we can make mistakes and still somehow represent you. I don't get it. But you're so good. Holy Spirit, will you just speak the thing that we need to do tomorrow? to intentionally step into that incredible reality that we are the building that you choose to live in. We pray in your name and for your glory. Amen.